0: It is the Sixers Talk podcast brought to you by Wilmington University. Wilmington works Danny Pommels along with Noah Levick, our Sixers writer from NBC Sports, Of course, we're brought to you by Wilmington University. Ben Barry, our producer in the cut, per usual. And uh, here we are, Noah, from six-game win streak to a two-game losing streak. Uh, the Sixers um, like a mash unit all of a sudden where uh, they've got guys in the protocol. They've got players on the men. Uh, most notably, Joel Embiid now has COVID-19 and is recovering. Um, just such a shock to the system as you, you know, all the momentum they built up and you thought they were taking into the next game suddenly gets derailed with that news. Matisse um, uh and Tobias Harris, along with Isaiah Joe, also still in the protocol. Um Did you feel like last night the Sixers really rose to the occasion and you took some things away because of those guys' absences that uh, really a feather in in their cap, you think? Or do you feel like uh, Tobias Harris coming back soon, as Doc Rivers said before, the game is something more to look forward to as the Sixers try to win games rather than uh, just get close to doing that?
1: Yeah, I think it's all relevant. I think uh, it's it's definitely important with all of this to – take a step back and realize um, it's very unfortunate that Sixers have guys dealing with this that are symptomatic and uh, you just hope for the best that uh, they'll be able to recover quickly and there won't be long-term issues. But Doc Rivers even brought up pregame Seth Curry last year. It took him a really long time before he felt like himself after having COVID. And he said he talked with Jason Tatum, who, who said to Rivers, it was a multi-month sort of deal where even when he was back playing, he just didn't feel like himself on the court. So you really, really hope uh, that's not the case for the Sixers, just you know, from this human perspective. Uh, but they did play really well despite going 0-2, I think, on this back-to-back. Uh, Tyrese Maxey was the star last night. And I think there's something about the shorthanded situations that maybe brings the best out of him where he just feels uninhibited and he understands that he needs to be especially aggressive so 17 points in the first uh, 31 in the game against uh, the defending champions and was guarded in part by former teammate uh, George Hill and then also matched up with Drew Holiday who Maxi brought up is a player that he told teams leading into the the draft process that he thought he could be like and he said that was a cool experience to go against uh, obviously, a very high caliber two-way player in, in Drew Holiday. So I thought Maxi was a positive. I thought Paul Reed uh, overall held his own in the matchup with uh, wow. Giannis and Tadekumpo. Obviously, why Giannis, yeah, great great defense uh, in transition and, and getting in his face a little after the one block. Obviously, he's not going to match him with the scoring, and he's going to give up some thunderous dunks yeah. as Giannis tends to. Giannis overpowered
0: him several times as he does everybody though. So Mm -hmm. nothing, no shame there. Yeah.
1: But I mean, I thought it was noticeable that when Paul Reed came off the floor and George Nyang subbed in in the third quarter, uh, that's when the the two-time MVP really hit another gear and things looked a lot easier for him. So I think uh, just Paul Reed getting these minutes is something that will serve him well moving forward. And I would think Doc Rivers has probably seen this as a versatile high energy chaotic player who in certain spots I, I think can probably help the Sixers even when they're much healthier so uh, yeah I'm sure we'll talk a little about you know whether moral victories are a valid thing later but if you do consider those legit uh, the Sixers certainly pulled a couple off here uh, but yeah the fact of the matter is they they went 0-2 um, but you know in the big picture I, I don't think that's drastically concerning. I I think what's uh, most important there is just the hope that uh, everyone eventually gets healthy here.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yeah, the Sixers fall to eight and four and getting healthy is of the utmost and, you know, um, a bit of deja vu, a bit bit of, uh, you know, history repeating itself with the Sixers because last season, you know, we hate to, you know, be the dead horse, so to speak, but they start seven and one and then Seth Curry gets pulled off the bench against the Brooklyn Nets in the first quarter there because he tested positive for COVID and things changed and that lingered with him throughout the season, as you mentioned, and here they are off this eight and two start uh, first team in the NBA with eight wins. And then they, you know, they lose these two at home, albeit in tight games, albeit coming back from a 19 point lead with against the Knicks, albeit with a chance to win both games. So yeah, we're going to peel back the layers on, on this moral victory thing. And, and and the whole bit Andre Drummond we would be you know remiss not to mention him with 45 rebounds and two freaking nights uh you know the first person on the Sixers since Charles Barkley in 84 to have 25 rebounds uh that many rebounds on a night um you know it's funny because they're handcuffed in the way that yeah this is great um that they get to showcase these other players and you see that they're ready to play in big moments. I think from a fan's perspective, that's something that we get to absorb. Tyrese Maxey said after the game, though, I don't gain any confidence from a game like this. I gain confidence from playing like uh, as well, practicing as well as I do knowing that the practice I put in translates to the game. That's where I gain confidence. So, um, Doc Rivers saying, you know, the moral victory thing after the game, you know, saying that it's a competition, you know, the ultimate thing is the win or lose. You know, what, what happens in between, you, you know, but that, you know, you can learn from. But in the, in essence, we lost the game regardless of how we played both of these games, regardless of how we played. And, and they're handcuffed in the sense that they almost have to play perfectly to win against these teams when you've got guys like Julius Randle hitting ridiculous jumpers. And I wanted to say this to you because watching Julius Randle do that to the Sixers. And I was, I mentioned in the last podcast how the Bulls fans might've felt watching Joel B do that to them. Cause you got this big man shooting these unorthodox high caliber, I mean, well, low percentage of shots that go in and lower percentage uh, shots that go in at ridiculous angles and things like that. So I, I, th- I thought that was funny, but I, you know, I mean, they have to almost play a perfect game and in that you get these is explosive performance by maxi so it's something you just latch on to immediately because you see him coming into his own but um you know you can't help but think about him getting healthy you can't help but think about how will this affect them in the long run so um i don't want to have the regency bias but we also want to think you know, on both sides of it, but do you feel like the moral victory thing is something you're taking away from this? Are you, are you, do you subscribe to that school of thought?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I love that particular term, I guess just because it has these connotations of totally brushing aside everything negative that happened and considering the loss completely irrelevant. Like I don't subscribe to that, but I do think it, it matters that, Tyrese Maxey is playing so well and that Paul Reed is getting rotation minutes and uh, that Danny Green is, is healthy enough to play again and, and hit a couple of big shots in these games. You know, obviously not in a winning effort, but... Uh, is Yeah, at the least back-to-back the threes well. against the Knicks
0: were, were really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so I, I think all of that does, you know, have a, some significance. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was funny with Doc Rivers, uh, that comment you mentioned it, was a little Herm Edwards estimate. You know, you play to mm-hmm. win the
0: game,
1: you play the game and there are two outcomes and Hey, that's uh that's an accurate way to distill it. I mean, and, he hasn't had
0: a win since getting a thousand. So I'm sure you know he's like right. stuck on a thousand. He's hungry for it's more. One of his former teams, the Knicks, you know?
1: Yeah. And in this, in this particular game, you know, he teased coming into it, I'm going to expand the rotation to 10 players just because guys are so tired and they're, are so many minutes on their legs. And he ultimately uh, did not decide to do that. He did not have faith in the rookies, uh, Jaden Springer and Aaron Henry. Uh, We did see Charles Bassey for four minutes in the second quarter, but outside of that, uh, the Sixers only played seven guys. And again, uh, very heavy minutes. And you do have to wonder, uh, you know, how that's going to affect the Sixers moving forward and and how well they're just going to be able to recover uh, from that load. But, so I, I think all of that matters. And then I think also uh, you just don't want to neglect with this COVID stuff. Like these are people, you know, w- with families and with lives outside of basketball and you just really hope for the best there and you hope it's, it's not the worst case scenario. I mean, for me, my mind flashed back to Joel Embiid leading into the bubble and, and how cautious he was. And, and the reason for that being that, uh, his partner, you know, had a had a young child on the way, uh, so you never never like to hear, you know, Rivers giving these updates that um, Harris and Embiid, uh, you know, we're not doing great, uh, and yeah, we hope hope the news is a little better on that front down the line, and uh, that yeah, that things progress in in a positive way.
0: Yeah, um, Doc Rivers saying before the game that T- Tobias Harris is improving, and should be back sooner rather than later. And Joel Embiid, he said it w- was in Tobias Harris's shoes when he first got COVID-19. So it seems that, you know, he's not doing so well, you know, was, which is to be expected. But um, hopefully, like you said, man, um, definitely bigger than basketball itself because, um, you know, livelihoods and families and whatnot is going to be affected for sure. Um, so much going on with the Sixers has to do with, Uh, you know this Ben Simmons situation we'll we'll get into that plus more about Tyrese Maxey and how that ties into the Simmons situation Um, uh, let's take a quick time out we'll be back with more as the Sixers uh, drop two in a row uh, and we'll be back to discuss the Simmons stuff with Jalen Brown and the whole bit after this Make your move in 2022. A Wilmington University education can take you where you want to go. Spring classes start January 10th. Apply today at wilmu.edu.
1: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire?
0: You need Indeed. Noah, is Tyrese Maxey an untouchable player? Is he a player that you would not include in the Ben Simmons deal because of who's going to play point guard or the prowess that he has shown and how he can rise to the occasion and the potential. And he's only 21, all those things. Is he an untouchable player? I say, no, he is not untouchable. I say no one is untouchable, Noah. And I say so because if you had to include Tyrese Maxey to acquire Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, or whoever you think of that is of that ilk, you, you, would, you would lament it for a while, but as Jim Lynham has told me and several other people who are willing to listen, most often, uh, being him being – I mentioned Jim as the guy who traded Charles Barkley, the, the team that gets the best player in the deal is considered the winner of the deal. But in, in this Sixers uh, sphere, we're all trying to you know win a championship and make the process pay off, you would take – Trading Tyrese Maxey to acquire Jason Tatum to reach the promised land and finally have the parade down Broad Street, then worry about the ramifications of the pat of, of of whatever may happen in the future, i.e. the Philadelphia Eagles, who only made it the one time, but we still talk about the parade. We still talk about the championship to this day. And listening to the radio, you hear that some of the players on the Eagles are still sticking around, and the team won't cut them because. They did X, Y, Z in that Super Bowl game to help deliver the championship. So I say all that to say Ben Simmons for Jalen Brown, if Tyrese Maxey had to be a piece in that, would you consider that something you would be willing to part with if it was to acquire Jalen Brown or a player that you think would get this team to get rid of Simmons and acquire that all-star player in return that Daryl Morey in the front office is coveting?
1: Well, I think I'm in the same boat as you and no one's untouchable and that that's just probably not the right way in general to approach trade conversations. But to that specific question, I'd be highly reluctant. Uh, I, I think clearly most folks seem to consider Jalen Brown a, a superior player to Ben Simmons these days. They, they think there's perhaps a bit of a gap there. Uh, I'm not so sure the Sixers feel the same way, but uh, that that seems to be the kind of the outside perception. Uh, to me, I, I don't think there's, there's such a large gap that uh, you'd really want to, to part with a player of Ty, Tyrese Maxey's caliber. Quite frankly, someone uh, who now it's less and less about potential, right? Like he's, he's showing it. He can be a good starting point guard and okay. Not going to score 31 points every night. And a lot of that can be attributed to just the situation and the huge minutes he's playing and the need to be aggressive offensively. But like the kids not turning the ball over, he's making rapid strides defensively and doing great in these matchups against, you know, opposing, opposing star guards and the trajectory is just so, so encouraging. Uh, Yeah. You want to be prudent. You don't want to be swayed excessively by him looking good over 11 games. But to me, I don't think it's just 11 games. I think this is what we saw his rookie year too, where uh, he says he wants to get 1% better every day. And there's a lot of evidence that uh, he continues to do that. So uh, just in general, uh, yes, no one untouchable, but like, uh, for me, Maxi, um, yeah, it, you know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't immediately shoot that sort of thing down, but uh, I'd be really, really hesitant to, to do that sort of deal where you're having to give him up to acquire a player who, you know, in my mind, is not vastly superior to Ben Simmons, quite frankly, even though I, I like a lot about Jalen Brown and, and think he's an excellent ball player, of course.
0: I say Jalen Brown because he is the uh, topic du jour when it comes to trade prospects for Ben Simmons, as uh, Sham Sharania reported that uh, they had had discussions about an exchange of those two players. Um, And um, I have a point to make where, which will clarify things a bit more, but I just wanted to mention that I I think it's funny how, you know, (laughs) the verbiage can like change the whole dynamic of what the conversation actually was. So you have Sham Sharania who comes out with the report that the two teams have had discussions about Jalen Brown and Ben Simmons. And then later in the day, there's a report that Simmons, the, the Sixers aren't willing to have discussions about trading Simmons with the Celtics unless Jalen Brown is involved. So like this, like, like the verbiage like changed the whole dynamic of everything. Um, and then there were reports out there from beat writers uh, in the Boston area that, 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 wasn't true. But, you know, if, if, you know, shot, you know, just like shot Shams comes out with this report that the two event discussions, all of a sudden, you know, the front office can just as easily fee something to a beat writer saying, you know, uh, refute that to, 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 you know, put the fire out a little bit and squelch things. But um I think the, the point about Jalen Brown is in, in, in theory that is the payoff, you know, with the package would definitely have to include more uh, because Simmons is on a longer contract. He has four year, three year, four years total this year and three more after this season left on his deal where Jalen Brown only has two and Simmons makes about 10 million more per year than Jalen Brown. So the Celtics will actually actually have to sweeten the pot to make everything match up. But I say Jalen Brown because he's the topic du jour and because, uh, in theory, that would satiate the Sixers to get back that all-star caliber player that they have been, you know, wanting. And, in theory, also, that would be the thing to get the Sixers over the hump. Um, now, I say, uh, including Maxie in that, so, you know, just so we can pay it off a little bit more. So, let's say it was Maxi and Simmons for a player of a higher caliber Like Lillard or Tatum, or if you consider Beal of that category, or whoever that may be, is that thing that something that you can foresee or or be more amenable for you?
1: Yeah, for me, uh, I'd still be really, really hesitant if we're talking Tatum. Although you know the reports, uh, you said
0: Maxi wasn't untouchable. You said you just said that, so.
1: Hesitant, not uh not immediately dismissive, but uh sure. has been someone, yeah, like like Jason Tatum, uh who, yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure he's in that class. He might be, but I'm just honestly not quite sure as things stand. I Think as obviously
0: as we've talked about with so Sam- what, what do, you, do I have to say? Doncic, like who who like what? what sure, the, yeah. sure, absolutely. Well, the, then uh, the money doesn't match up though, so it has to be a player that that has that you know, $100 million plus, you know what right, I mean, salary. Right. So like a Lillard or... Like a Lillard, for sure. I, mean,
1: I I think we've known for a while, just kind of, you know, a theoretical Lillard trade. What You'd have to part with some of these prized young pieces, maybe plural, right. only with, with draft pick or pick. So you would
0: lament it for a while, but you would accept Damian Lillard and oh. part with Maxi and, and be at some potty cover from there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And part of it for me, too, is is also just trying to be realistic about the way Daryl Morey sees things. And I think he's been very firm and very consistent about like just because there's this negative buzz around Ben Simmons and uh, he un- unfortunately, you know, doesn't consider himself mentally ready to to play for the Sixers right now. He is a multi time all star. He is a defensive player of the year runner up. He is incredibly versatile, and the Sixers do need a difference maker in return for him. And therefore, just the notion of some deal where, in order to acquire that difference maker, you're having to give up Simmons and like a lot of other things of value, or or something that the team does consider extremely valuable, or a young player that the team loves as much as Maxi to me, that just doesn't all add up from Maury's perspective. So part of it, part of it's probably, um, yeah, me trying to mesh, you know, my own personal thoughts. And then also the way the Sixers front office sees things. And I I think it's very clear at this point, uh, exactly, you know, how how they view this and the fact that they are like pretty stubborn in, in this, in this stance and, uh, don't seem to be budging. I mean, the, the, the notion that, um, they they would need someone of Brown's caliber. I I think indicates as much.
0: And bro, I'm, this could not have been worked have worked out any more perfect for the Sixers here through these first twelve games. You get eight wins out of the first twelve. You do it without Ben Simmons. The team is playing well. The chemistry looks at an all time high. And in the games that you did lose, you didn't have Joel Embiid for three of them. Um, I think all four of them, you didn't have Joel and B, but I, I got to go back to checks. I know both Knicks games and obviously last night's game against the Bucks. but I guess Brooklyn, he did play, right? Yeah,
1: I think he – I think just the last two, uh, he did play yeah. in the Knicks game of the Garden and then the – Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, right, they played, of course – on the moral victory front, they played very well for 44 minutes against Brooklyn, but ultimately lost the. the right,
0: game. right, right. So, it, but I, you know, the Brooklyn game, I felt like they led and then let Brooklyn come back. So that kind of you didn't feel the same way as you do. Obviously, that these Bucks game and Bucks and Knicks games. But uh, point I was making is it could have been more perfect. They lose these games and get a full display of all of these backup players that could be included. And, and these potential trades so other teams can see that these guys can play at a high clip in crunch time against high-caliber uh, opponents. And, you know, all right, yes, uh, once again, the, the personal side of the COVID stuff is really uh, uh, an issue, and we, we hope that, you know, the Sixers just come out of this with, you know, them being vaccinated and the being mild and them just still being able to come back and, and resume how things were. But when it comes to the Simmons situation, the Sixers still continue to hold all the cards. They have reinstituted the fines and then be a- been able to rescind them as Ben has been more compliant. It, it, everything's worked in their favor when it comes to how the, you know, with the, 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 man, monsoon, typhoon a tsunami that they had that we previously felt coming into the season when Simmons decides to just show up like he's, kindle from succession no anybody said succession fans out there anybody no all right but um yeah i I just feel like things think about what where we were at opening night and where we are now in relation to the simmons thing and how things have mellowed out yeah
1: i mean i mean just anecdotally the you know occasional scan on twitter it, it seems like fans are at least really enjoying watching this team and don't seem as discouraged as they might've been in years, years past by two straight losses and seem very sympathetic to the (laughs) situation the team is in and all of that. So uh, at least from that perspective, that all seems positive as far as like tangibly what, what this means uh, on the Simmons front, as we've said before, it's always really tough to gauge. And a lot of this is based on like personal relationships and, phone calls that executives are, are having among themselves and uh, the tenor of those relationships in, in those conversations. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, would have preferred to start this way as opposed to a situation where the distractions were a little more apparent and you could tell the team was uneasy about not having Simmons there and uh, the role players, you know, weren't so impressive. So yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, all things that, that should be commended. And uh just the way they've approached this uh, i think is is really admirable and uh is encouraging that you know okay they're not going to win six straight games you know uh, you know probably again this season um but they're at least well positioned to kind of just weather whatever comes their way and uh they both the young players and the veterans i think uh, just have these personalities where they're they're unfazed uh, and they really enjoy playing with each other and and I think that's obvious to to anyone who's watched the Sixers early this season
0: let's talk a little more X's and O's um, the Sixers wrapping up this three-game homestand with the Toronto Raptors on Thursday and you know everyone's feeling good it's all you know the stock is going up but The moral victory thing gets old really fast when suddenly these two wins turn into losses in three out of the next four or four out of the next five. The Sixers are going on a six-game road trip, their longest of the season after this. And there's no cupcakes really on that schedule. I mean, definitely, you know, Portland will be looking for some give back. You can say Sacramento, but these are all teams on the come, all teams that are trying to, you know, establish themselves, you know, and, and, and carve out space. So, you know, the, the thing for me is that I've noticed that has been the thing is everyone wants to talk about the growth of Maxi, but it's been the growth of Seth Curry that has helped this team survive all, all of this up and down. And then Seth Curry's out. Imagine if you had his firepower against the Knicks and the Bucks and how those games might have been differently. So his contusion on his foot, left foot, I believe it is, um, that's the thing that I think is going to determine how these next few games come out. Um, They've shown they can play without Joel Embiid because Andre Drummond is trying to prove he deserves to be in this league and and deserves a a longer-term contract. They've shown that they have a, a second unit that can rise to the occasion and Seth Curry can carry them in certain instances because he's shooting like, Nobody's business. But all of a sudden, all those good vibes of the maxi this and that and all oh, Furcon this and all oh, my, you know, all that all it goes out the window if they lose drop or start dropping games against Indiana and Utah and Denver and whatnot. So what's, what's your perception on that, Noah, as we get down to the real brass tacks of things, Toronto is not going to be a cakewalk, even though they should win that game. Um, hopefully Seth Curry's back Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Matisse Thybulle likely won't be Isaiah Joe likely won't be. Um, where are you at with it?
1: Yeah, that moral victories can last forever. Uh, would be really nice to, to get a win over the Raptors, uh, leading into the six game trip. Uh, you said no cupcakes. Indiana does stand out for me as a game that they should win. Like the Pacers mm-hmm. haven't started the year well under a new head, new head coach. And, uh, that, that's why Turner and Joel.
0: It's a little bit rock and hard places there, so it, I, and I, know, I know he won't be there. So I feel like there's maybe some drumming this that needs to happen again. But uh, not to interrupt you, but please, well,
1: yeah. I mean, if we've seen anything, it, it seems like Andre Drummond is always peak. Andre Drummond, he's grabbing every single rebound, he's throwing highly ambitious and occasionally ill advised passes. Uh, Extremely physical on the inside, uh, does not does not have the best touch with the shooting, but uh, when it comes to the rebound, anything in that vicinity, it's just amazing. He seems to gobble up. So yeah, he'll he'll most definitely be in the spotlight, uh, and I'm sure it'll be an interesting experience as always to to watch him. Uh, but yeah, the. the the trip is for sure an important one. I think it's nice coming up. Uh, I believe Sunday and Monday is their first stretch all season where they have two consecutive days uh, without a game. So, so that will be important from their recovery perspective. Uh, and yeah, just just need to kind of tread water as well as as well as they can uh, is the bottom line.
0: Tread water, I think, is a good way to put it. The Sixers are vulnerable right now, a little bit like a wounded animal. Um, hopefully the Toronto Raptors can't come in here and take advantage. The last thing, if I was a wounded uh, individual, I would want to see is a Raptor. Um, so uh, the Jurassic Park nightmare for all those people out there, but um, nonetheless, uh, man, just hey, the, the drama continues, exciting basketball continues, Noah. Um, and a part of all that is your work on NBC sports, um, Anything we missed that you think we didn't get to that we might've overlooked.
1: No, I mean, just so, something that popped into my head as as we were you know talking about how shorthanded this team was, I believe they had zero of their opening night starters in, in last year's starting lineup uh, in the first five last night, right? Because mm-hmm. Danny Green came off the bench, indeed mm-hmm. Harris Simmons uh, sidelined, and Seth Curry was out with an injury. I mean, that's remarkable to consider, and I think it lends some credibility to the notion of, okay, they didn't win the game, but it's pretty impressive that they were close down the stretch of that game. I'll be you know, we should mention the Bucks also were, were far far from full strength. No, Chris Middleton, no Brooke Lopez, no. uh, No Yeah. Um, Who apparently I I didn't hear it, but a lot of people were talking. He got a shout out from Joe Biden and Biden mentioned the Delaware, you know, the Delaware connection between them. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like it, I I think we cannot exaggerate how depleted this team is and that they keep playing like seven men and like four minutes rotations, like game after game after game. Uh so to me it is it is really admirable how hard they've played, and that is legitimately encouraging. But uh the flip side of that is this is an extreme situation, uh and the Sixers just really hope there's an end to it in sight. Uh, But, you know, Doc Rivers even mentioned, like, the concern of playing in these places with, like, you know, elevated places, like like a Utah, like a Denver, uh, where maybe it's not the ideal spot to bring someone like Tobias Harris back. So I'm not so sure we're going to see any of these guys uh, soon. And I think at some point, uh, Sixers probably will have to buy a few minutes from a, a Jaden Springer and Aaron Henry. Huh. And, and, and they, they
0: suddenly had to buy him from Paul Reed and that turned out really well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's certainly good that he looks like someone that uh, you you can count on for 20, 30 uh, solid minutes. He's been avoiding the oh, fouls, hustle, man. tons of hustle. And, and I think to his credit, he's, he's doing a little better and not biting on the pump fakes and not, uh, shoulder shrugging guys and, and kind of understanding like the team needs him on the floor and he, he can't get into foul troubles. So anyway uh, yeah tough really tough spot for this team. Uh, I mean zero of the five opening night starters last night to me just uh, puts it all in perspective and, and I hadn't even that, that hadn't even really clicked for me uh, until just now. So uh, yeah it really will be will be intriguing to see how they they do on this trip uh, despite this very
0: difficult situation. Yeah, we will be here with you every step of the way in the Sixers Talk podcast. It seems like uh, Sunday might be the next time we're with you as the Sixers play Thursday against the Raptors, as we discussed, and Saturday is the Pacers game. And then Tuesday, So I guess we could do Monday, but one of those days we'll come to you with a pod, depending on our schedules, and uh, we will... You know, dissect it all as we always do uh, for Noah Levick and Ben Barry. I'm Danny Pommels. This has been the Six Tall Podcast, brought to you by Wilmington University. One Works. We'll see you next time. Look around; you can find cars like these on Auto Trader.